Welcome to Beyond the Illusion. Hey everyone, I just want to let you know right off the bat, we had quite a few weird technical issues while recording this episode. I've done my best to take care of them in the editing process so you might not even really notice them, but trust me, there were a lot of hiccups. There were weird issues with my equipment, and our guest's Wi-Fi even went out at one point. This is not something new because we've had technical issues in the past, but I'm starting to see a pattern here because I've noticed that when something like this has happened in the past, it always happens when the energy is strong. In fact, in every case I can remember us having unusual technical issues, I have felt a strong energy, particularly in my face, and this time was no different. I noticed that my face felt very warm during the conversation and even looked flushed during the online call with our guests. So you may feel some of that energy while you're listening to this conversation. You may also feel inspired to reclaim some of your infinite power within. And I say that because our guests Michelle and Keith have a wonderful message to share with everyone. And it reminds me a lot of my favorite speech from the great Terence McKenna titled Reclaim Your Mind. In fact, I've played that clip a couple seasons ago in an episode, and I'd like to play it again for you right now because it's the perfect primer for our conversation with Keith and Michelle. Catalysts to say what has never been said, to see what has never been seen, to draw, paint, sing, sculpt, dance, and act, what has never before been done to push the envelope of creativity and language and what's really important is I call it the felt presence of direct experience which is a fancy term which just simply means we have to stop consuming our culture we have to create culture don't watch TV don't read magazines don't even listen to NPR Create your own road show. The nexus of space and time where you are now is the most immediate sector of your universe. And if you're worrying about Michael Jackson or Bill Clinton or somebody else, then you are disempowered. You're giving it all away to icons. Icons which are maintained by an electronic media so that you want to dress like X or have lips like Y or something. This is shit-brained, this kind of thinking. That is all cultural diversion. And what is real is you and your friends and your associations, your highs, your orgasms, your hopes, your plans, your fears. And we're told, no. We're unimportant. We're peripheral. Get a degree. Get a job. Get a this. Get a that. And then you're a player. You don't even want to play in that game. You want to reclaim your mind and get it out of the hands of the cultural engineers who want to turn you into a half-baked moron consuming all this trash that's being manufactured out of the bones of a dying world. Where is that at? Yeah, over here. Now, let's go to that conversation with Keith and Michelle Norris, Tiana Roser, and myself, Tim Howe. So, I'm really excited to talk about your book, Primal Uprising. 
you know, got a chance to look at that. And it just seems so aligned with the theme of our podcast, Beyond the Illusion. You know, it's kind of looking beyond just what that surface of what we're given and told and going deeper for personal freedom and empowerment. So I'd love if you could maybe elaborate a little bit more about, you know, what this book is about and why, why now? Why did you decide to write it now? What's so funny is we actually wanted to write this book. We started this process a little over five years ago and the timing wasn't right for this book. So it didn't get picked up. It was also not the right agent. It wasn't the right, right situation. And then when uh, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, I was introduced to our agent and she was told, you definitely have to publish their, you need to get their, you need to represent them and get their book published. And so she was like, okay. And so then we started the process at that point. And the timing for this book is like impeccable because Mm. of what we're going through right now. So it's a really interesting time. So the full The full title is Primal Uprising, The Paleo FX Guide to Optimizing Your Health, Expanding Your Mind, and Reclaiming Your Freedom. And really, when the proposal went out, the initial proposal was called Escaping the Human Zoo, which, (laughs) (laughs) and they loved it. And then they also said the timing for that, that title was really wrong because people right now are so heightened around racial matters around lots of stuff coming up now with uh, human trafficking, all of this really coming to the surface that um, Escaping the Human Zoo was probably a very triggering title. So really, this is about the fact that we are in a zoo of our own making, and we are actually the zookeepers, and we hold the keys to sell. The thing is, is we've not been told We've been trained all of our lives and indoctrinated and and programmed to believe that there's something outside of ourselves that ha- holds those keys. And it is not. It is us. And we are the zookeepers. And what's what's really interesting is when uh, when our agent contacted us and said that she had, in fact, sold the, the book, she said it was kind of a, she told us it's a good news, bad news thing. Good news is we got the book sold great publisher. She said, the bad news is they want this manuscript like yesterday because mm-hmm. of, because of the timing. This was right when the whole COVID mania started really kicking up and the mm-hmm. lockdowns were starting to, to come into play and all the mask wearing and all of that. And so we were on a time crunch and it was, it, it's been my dream forever to be a writer and to actually get paid to write. <laughs> And I got what I asked for. Oh my God! It was a it was a heavy lift for all of us. All mm-hmm. of us involved. It was a heavy lift. Yeah, we were on a crash schedule. So, yeah. and it's, which is not typical because usually the publishing process can take anywhere from a year to eighteen months, and ours took six. So, <laughs> wow! Well, it's <laughs> idea. It was about a third of the normal timing. Right. So we're ready to be launching this book. Obviously, um, May 5th is our publishing date, which also coincides with our daughter's birthday, Brittany, who wow. she's a catalyst for Paleo FX and why we even uh, started Paleo FX. So, yeah, it's um, 
all serendipitous. Everything's all the alignments have come in, you know, the universe is all, you know, conspired and God divine, right. whatever you call it has all conspired to make this yeah, book. The divine timing done. was mm -hmm. perfect. And it's just reaffirmation for me personally, because I agonized the last five years. Why can we not get this idea sold? No one will pick it up. It won't. We'd kept trying to repackage it in different kind of ways, uh, redo the book proposal. And there was crickets, no interest in it. Just kind of lead balloon. This wouldn't take off until COVID hit. And then everybody was like, oh, my God, I feel like my freedoms are being stripped. Mm -hmm. We were like, they've been being stripped from you for a long time. You just now you're starting to realize it. So, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on the book and everything. You know, that's, Thank you. that's really Thanks. awesome for you guys. And I love the I love the analogy of the zoo because you know it's basically a trapped animal, which is what mm -hmm. you guys describe. And the first part of the book, and I, I love that because you ask the reader, what are the behaviors of a trapped animal? They eat too much, you know. They lash out at one another. They do self harm. You know, it is easy for them because they don't have to go find food and stuff. But it, and it's safe. I like that you you said all that, and. You say the opposite is the freedom that you have, right? Mm -hmm. And that freedom comes with its own set of issues, you know, such as it's a little more dangerous and you, you do have to fend for yourself, but you're free, you know, and mm -hmm. you, yeah. And, and I love that you start to book out like that because that really hooked me in. And yeah. um, I do want to hear more about how you guys got to this point to even write this book and about your your daughter, Brittany, and the whole story there. Could you guys kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, Brittany, our daughter, was killed in a car accident. It's It'll be almost 12 years ago, um, May 2nd of 2009. And that was three days before her 23rd birthday and a week before her college graduation. She was a music and worship ministry major and had decided to so she was going to become a minister and had decided to work in the mission field. When they held her first memorial service at her college, there were about 700 people in attendance and we had a receiving line and we received almost all of those people. And they were telling us how Brittany had changed their lives in very specific and profound ways. It wasn't like, oh, she changed my life. It was, she said this, she did that. She showed me this. She took me here. I she did this for me, whatever it was. And it was very, very profound. Like she had really changed a lot of people's lives. We knew immediately that we couldn't let that legacy die with her. What happened though, was we kind of struggled for a while trying to figure out what, how do we carry on a legacy of someone who has completely different gifts than we do? So her gifts were music and worship ministry. She was a very gifted and talented musician and singer she could preach she had the gift of prophecy she was just it was a a very different set of uh, like i said talents and so when we finally realized that we change lives through what we do um and through the gifts that we have which is food and nutrition and fitness and health and wellness that that's still carrying on her legacy it just carries it on in a little bit different way because she while she was carrying on that legacy in really helping people find their purpose and their uh, beacon in their life. We are helping people find their purpose through getting healthy, through doing all of these, all of the different things that we do, especially through the book and through PaleoFX. And so we launched PaleoFX finally in 2012. 
and it was actually March 14th, 2012. So we just had Paleo FX just had its anniversary and so did we, it was our anniversary. Mm-hmm. We launched it then and it's been changing people's lives ever since. Tens of thousands of people's lives have been changed through coming through Paleo FX. And we hope to change hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives through our book. The whole idea behind everything that we do is around empowering the individual to understand that the individual has all of the power, not anybody outside of you. That's the lie we've been told all of our lives. It's the programming. It's all of the, you know, indoctrination that we've been given since the day we were born that you constantly need to look outside yourself for some, something, someone, somehow for you to be whole and for you to have a decent life and a, and a happy life and for you to follow what you want to do. Yeah. And one thing I would add too is Brittany's death in 2009 really hit at a time when Michelle and I were unsure of, of what we wanted to do. We were just coming out of corporate America. We were actually, we were still in corporate America at that time, but we had about a year prior had come to the realization that what are we doing this for? We, and we had just started to wake up to, I don't think I believe in this quote unquote American dream thing anymore. I mean, we've got the big house, the fancy cars, the kids are in the best schools. We've got all of this stuff that we were told should make us happy and we're not. And there was just this empty feeling inside already. Then the financial crisis of 2008 hit and we got hammered financially. I mean, just hammered. So we were in a tailspin over that, not knowing what we wanted to do, knowing what we didn't want to do and what we didn't believe in anymore. Then going through 2008 and getting financially just <laughs> washed up and then Brittany's death. And so it was, re- I mean, we were really at that time in May of 2009, really on our heels. We were really reeling. We didn't know what we were going to do. We know We knew what wasn't working, but we weren't sure yet what the path forward was. Mm-hmm. It was a rebirth for us, seriously. I mean, it was a tough, tough time. I think so many people can relate to aspects of your story. I know Tim and I can, you know, relate to like this idea of being sold the American dream and thinking, you know, we're going to get that through our job and our work or whatever we're trying to achieve. And then feeling something still missing, like you said, that emptiness. And, um, and that's, you know, what kind of pushes so many of us to start to question things and seek beyond. And I really like in your book, how you have at the end of each chapter, you have that litmus test, you have these questions to ask. And, and if anything, I think that's part of the deprogramming that we need to do. We have to learn to just keep questioning because if you think even in like our educational system we're taught to like memorize things to take tests and memorize things we're not you know it's not really like fostered and encouraged to keep questioning it's more about how you follow the structure that you're given and and fit that so i appreciate that and the other thing that I really appreciate is I've read other books before, you know, that talk about some of these topics about this manipulation of the masses, if you want to say, 
and it can get really dark <laughs> and it could be really like uh, disheartening, but your book is not like that. It's, it's really practical and empowering. You give so much information of how to shift out of that, how to find your empowerment. So kudos to you for finding that balance. Thank, Thank you. you. We mm-hmm. made a point of doing that mm-hmm. because I read voraciously and I've read lots on this subject and you're right. They mm-hmm. are very dystopian and very dark. It's just, it's kind of like, here's where you are and there you are. Yeah. <laughs> but we, but we knew there was a way out and we wanted to shed light on that, on, on how to get out of it. And so the way we operate is yes, these are the rules of the game. This is what has been done to you. So look at these rules, understand how this game is played. And once you understand the rules of the game, you can then do a jujitsu on it and climb. If you, if you choose to do so, then you can start climbing back out of the hole. Right. But you first have to understand what has been done to you and what the rules of engagement are as they are right now. And to understand your human psyche and how your human psyche works and how that has been manipulated. Once you understand that, then you can choose to switch it around and get yourself back out of the hole. Well, and the other thing is too, is really, it's about unlearning, right? It's about unlearning all of the things that you thought that you knew that you knew. And the thing is, is it's, it's a shocking revelation to realize that. And I, and I love the name of your podcast because it is, it's the matrix. It's an illusion. All of this is quite the illusion that has been perpetrated here and the thing is that once you like you Keith said you know the rules of the game you know how to engage you also know how to disengage Mm -hmm. and it's and that's probably one of the most empowering things and I'm in agreement around the dystopian ideas uh, around some of these concepts and everything that it's just like well you're you're screwed there's your situation, you're screwed. I don't believe that. I believe that if we can learn that these are the things that have happened over the course of time and that humans have played it, let's be really honest. We've all played a very, very complacent role in what's happened to humanity. We've played a role in it. We have stopped thinking critically. It's what happens to animals in captivity. They become docile. They stop wanting to play they stop wanting it's all of the same things we're in the same boat it's what we have allowed to happen in this situation so we are responsible we're not just responsible for what's happened we're responsible for making the decision and or choosing to get ourselves out of it and we absolutely can and so it's a really interesting situation when you go through the book and everything because we keep saying this is at the end of the day the buck stops with you nobody else it's your responsibility your decision your choice you're the only one that can make those decisions and choices and everything you're the only one and when you make those decisions and choices whatever you have in your life is yours it's what you chose it's what you manifested it's all the results and so you can take you get to take credit for that and you get to take blame for that. And the thing is, is at the end of the day, it's not really this, we aren't attempting to try to point blame and fingers and everything. It is what it is. It's what's happened with humanity. It's what do we do about it? Because like you said, the other things are very dystopian. Like you just don't have any choice and this is the way things are. 
we don't agree with that yeah, at all. Anything but the truth. You have 100% control of what happens with you. And this is where I think, um, you know, you guys have the seven pillars and it's really great because it's very well-rounded talking about all the different aspects of ourself and our life. But this is the part where I think the spiritual piece is so important because then if you know that you're more than just this physical body and that you're this eternal being that chose to come into this illusion to, you know, face these challenges and obstacles because you wanted to reclaim your mastery, then it's it's also much more empowering. And also, I think that we see on the world stage a lot where people are challenging authority and trying to assert their freedom, but without the spiritual piece, um, sometimes that can come from ego instead of like, I think that this whole idea of reclaiming our, our freedom and our empowerment, it has to be tempered with maturity and wisdom and compassion. And those are the parts that can come from our higher self, from connecting spiritually. Otherwise, it's dangerous too, right? Where it's like, oh, where's the the balance of finding my personal freedom and also honoring other people's freedom? (laughs) So what are your thoughts on that? I can just speak for myself and then Michelle can kick in, but I have for many, many years, really dug into and appreciated Gnostic Christianity. And Gnostic Christianity teaches that you are God within, that you are your Savior, that the Savior does not come from anything outside of you. It's all within. And this was a group that was eradicated by what would become mainstream Christianity because and we kind of joke and say, because that's a message that doesn't sell very well. You can't control people with that message, right? You can't control a group of people when you say you are God within. And your destiny is to find that and to find your own way and to wake up to that fact. It doesn't mean that you step over other people because they too are God within. Mm-hmm. And so you res- you respect that they too are a God or a savior, you know, whatever wording you want to use with that, but that is an extremely empowering message. And it doesn't mean that you don't cooperate with other people. It doesn't mean that that you do not form community. It doesn't mean that you don't help other people. It's not a selfish thing. It's just an empowerment thing. And I have always identified with that, with that idea. Yeah. It's interesting because So one of the things that that Jesus said repeatedly was that the kingdom of God is within you. There are people who talk about, well, at the moment, we're living in the time of revelation, according to so many people. And one of the things that that I believe around that, and if you follow Elaine Pagels? Elaine Pagels. Okay, Elaine Pagels is a Gnostic. She's a PhD in theology and has done all types of research over all types of religion and everything. And and a historian and and a a fabulous writer. So I was listening to her and she was basically saying that Revelations is the only Gnostic gospel that actually got into the Bible. It is the only one that was approved. The rest of them were all kind of deleted and they were tried to get rid of them. And of course, we know that they found them later and whatever. And she said, it's when you think about the mechanism of control over humanity, revelation 
is probably one of the most controlling, one of the most controlling books of the Bible. It's one of the ones that that really strikes fear in humans around what's going to happen. We are very obsessed with Armageddon and the whole idea of apocalypse and, you know, you name it. We're we're really obsessed with this whole thing. And the thing is, is she talks about it and she's like, Revelation isn't coming. It didn't, it's not something that's going to happen. It's something that already happened. Revelation was written about the battle that Rome and um, Jerusalem. And she said, that's, that battle's over. It's not happening. So there's some people that I've been talking to that are very hardcore Christian and they understand they, well, I shouldn't say hardcore Christian. They're Christian and are starting to question some of the control mechanisms of the church and particularly Catholic church. And so um, they were saying, but what about the second coming of Christ? And I was like, well, the second coming of Christ is not external. It's internal. It's when you realize he's already here and you actually have that manifestation within you. And when you embody that, that's when the second coming happens. And it was like, oh, there's this just light bulb moment. There's a lot of people who really get indignant and very upset around the idea that we were created in God's image. Right? We were created in God's image. And there are a couple of people that are saying, well, we were created in his image, but that doesn't mean we're God. Yeah and no. <laughs> are we all God yet? No, we're not. I believe that we are all, that's our evolution. And what we're here to do is to evolve to that height, to reach our ability to be God. And in fact, one of my teachers calls us omni-shambles. We're <laughs> We're God. We're just shambles. <laughs> we're omni shambles. We haven't reached that yet to the point where we actually realize ourselves as God. Because this whole idea, when you think about the matrix and the illusions and the the control mechanisms and you know all of the things that are going on right now, and you think, why is all of this the way it is? Why are we here? If we're all supposed to be God, why? What's the point of all of this? And then one of the realizations of one of my teachers was we are here as God to experience ourselves, to experience every single aspect of every single piece of who, what, and God encompasses. And that is every single thing that there is ever, ever was, ever will be, ever is eternity. It's the experience of us realizing ourselves and then ultimately the moment when we become god is when we realize god's true nature and love for us is always been within us and being a mere human i think is probably one of the most powerful endeavors that you can i mean the fact that we're all here is so miraculous i mean the odds of you being the you that was born that was actually conceived and grown in a womb and given birth to that's just miraculous like you when you think about the odds of that so all of it's very very humbling and you know i started channeling this last year and which was kind of a shocking revelation to me but when i started channeling and i started really tapping into what was what were the messages that were being given to me and it was 
I had several experiences through plant medicines and everything where I had to purge past lives. And you, you and I actually went through one of my past lives. (laughs) There was an actual uh, experience where I purged past lives and they were horrific past lives. They were awful. And one of my past lives, I was a mass murderer and another, I was a rapist and another, I was black and I was a slave owner and I was horrific as a slave owner. Another one was a, just a, an oppressor, somebody that was just oppressed other people because they could, because they had power and everything. And so these were these really awful lives. So I purged them during one of my plant medicine experiences And then I just kept getting this hit that I needed to, before the end of the year, I needed to go back into that plant medicine, which is a 5-MeO DMT experience. And it was that I needed to go back in and for completion. And I didn't understand what that was, but that was part of the channeling that was coming in. And it was telling me, you need to go complete this. Finally, and just everything lined up. It was not supposed to happen. I was not supposed to be able to go and have that last experience, but I did. And when I went the shaman that I worked with, he said, I'm getting this hit that you need to stand for your dose. And I was like, okay, I don't even know how anybody can stand, but I ended up standing for the entire, almost my entire ceremony. One of the things that happened and he said, wow, you didn't really do the purging that you did in the the ceremony previous. And I said, no, because I wasn't purging. I was actually integrating all of those past lives back in. And I was telling each one of those past lives, this was the job that you were given to come do was the job that you did and you did it well. It was horrific. It was awful. And I love you and you are welcome back in to my soul. And so I had to do that with each of these lives. And that's the whole thing. When we really think about so we, th- we have these ideas around Antichrist and what have you, and, and Hitler being one of the, the biggest Antichrists and everything. Hitler came here to do that role. That was his role as his, him coming here to, because the, the experience that so many millions of people went through because of him, millions upon millions, it was an experience that was part of the growth and the evolution of humanity. It was for it was for everyone. Do we like that that happened? No. And yet he fulfilled the role that he was here to do. And that's where when you can hold, this is the the thing that we like to do with ourselves is, oh, I'm, I'm this good person. And we just want to say we're just good. We forget that there's all of this over here. There's, there's this good and there's this evil, but we want to claim only the good that we do. We are all of it. And until we reconcile that and accept that we are all things, there's no polarity. And that's the shadow work that's right. so very important. It's, there's no very polarity important. in all of this. We think there's polarity. We think this duality, all of that. We think that there's all this separation. There's no separation. It's once we recognize that we are responsible and we own all of it and it is all of us and we are good and we are evil and we're talking about some of the most despicable evil that exists on the planet that's still us and that's still me and i still have to claim responsibility for it and when i finally do take full responsibility 
And I finally hold compassion for the fact that that was part of the job and the role that I came here to do to continue to uplift humanity and for us to evolve into the next dimension until I can do that. I can, I can never claim my omni or that I am, that I'm God. I, that I have a God status, that I actually have God's DNA, that I am, I can't do any of that until I can accept it and I can hold compassion for it and I can love it and I can still say, good job, you you did what you were here to do and it sucked and it was awful and, and it was horrific and I would never want to actually be in that actual role. And yet you did it and it, you're part of my soul. We are part of each other's souls. And, and until we all accept that and integrate that and, and actually hold compassion for all of it, then we're going to stay in this situation. I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> mm. Yeah, of course. And so much more, you know, I love that you put it all out there like that because, you know, I feel like, you and I are on the same page about every single point that you just made. Yes, there there is a part of us that is infinitely good. And there there is a part of us that is, you know, if we want to put a judgment on it, infinitely bad. And um, yeah, that we have to integrate those two things. And I think part of being on Earth is, that is the gift of being on Earth, is that we get to see those things, you know? And people say, oh, these are horrific or these are great or whatever they say. But, you know, I don't think that there is a better way to see that uh, outside of being on planet Earth, you know. And you mentioned like yeah, Earth, school. Earth school is definitely <laughs> not for the faint of art, for <laughs> sure. And, um, and that's the other thing is the is also is the getting to the point where you don't judge it. There's not really anything to judge. All of these things all exist and coexist because we are. That's just the fact. And I, I, because we are. I really believe that one step towards enlightenment, mm -hmm. and maybe it is just a step. Maybe it's a. Maybe it is a required step. I, I don't know yet. I haven't. I haven't figured all of this out. But the passage in the Bible that says, you know, that the meek shall inherit the earth. And that has been traditionally interpreted as those who turn the other cheek or those who are weak, weak or humble or um, the subjugated. Mm -hmm. There is another way to interpret that passage that is that the term meeked during that in, in Arabic meeked meant a horse that was that was trained well and it had a rider that was trained well. That was a meeked horse. The horse, its spirit wasn't broken. It still had spirit, but it responded to the commands of the very, very skilled rider. And so one way to understand that interpretation is meeked means that you have full control over and dominion over you, both the shadow and the light side. Mm -hmm. And that is who shall inherit the earth. Those who have full command and control over both sides and know when to utilize them because there are some times when, yes, the quote-unquote evil side can be leveraged for good. This is part of the human condition, too, is to make that judgment. When is that appropriate? When is force appropriate? 
Um, and those are very tough decisions and those are human decisions. And that's what we're here, I think, to learn mm-hmm. and to, and to figure that out. And these, these are hard decisions. Um, but to be in full control of you, of your psyche means that you have to integrate the light and the dark, but that just like with that horse, you, and I say you, the spiritual you, the enlightened you that has control of these aspects, you are in full control of everything. Now, that's a huge responsibility, too. And again, that's something that can't be outsourced. Well, it can be outsourced for sure, and it has been outsourced, but at the expense of you turning over ownership of you. And so this this is how this is all interwoven and convoluted. And it's a it's a spicy meatball. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's a good point too that you're making there. Cause you know, some people have difficult situations that they find themselves in life. It is a really hard thing for you to admit that you created that for yourself. You may have yep. extreme challenges, but at the end of the day, you made those challenges for yourself for whatever reason it might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, sometimes I think Absolutely. just the recognition of that alone is how you move past it. Well, and it's funny because I think a lot of times we don't realize how good we are at manifesting. Mm-hmm. We are so good at manifesting. We just don't recognize the, um, we don't recognize that the things that we have in our life are things that we asked for because we weren't specific about what we wanted and we weren't specific about how we wanted to get it. This is an interesting thing. So I got sick in December. I got really, really sick. And I had been telling one of my friends, I was working on manifesting, losing some weight and really getting the weight off. I really wanted to get the weight off in a healthy way. (laughs) Well, I lost 16 and a half pounds (laughs) during when I got sick. And I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, man, I lost 16 and a half pounds. And she goes, girl, you asked for that. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, you said you wanted to lose weight. And I go, yeah, but I wanted to lose it like the healthy way. And she goes, hey, if you weren't specific about it, (laughs) if you just said I am and I really the way that I manifest is I already talk, I talk about things as if they already have happened. And so I was, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that I have lost this way. And I wasn't specific in it she was like, the universe is going to conspire with the least, the path of least resistance, whatever is the easiest way to get you to the thing that you said you want, it's going to get you there. So the easiest in the path of least resistance for, for you to lose that kind of weight was for you to get sick. So she has, you manifested that. And I was like, holy crap, I actually, when I look back at everything I did, we just don't think like that, that we don't think about the way we talk to ourselves, the way we talk about the things that we want. There's a girl that was, I've just recently started um, working with and she had been posting, I know that I am fat and I know this and I know this and I know this about myself. And I was like, and she's like, but I just can't lose weight. And I'm not, I just, so I've just given up. And I'm like, well, you can't lose weight because you keep telling your body that you're fat and your body thinks that's what you want. So it's going to hold on to it. And it's like from one of the first times that she realized that you speak that over yourself, you speak things into being with your words. 
And so when you talk about yourself in these very specific and very definitive things, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I'm clumsy, I'm whatever, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be all of the things that you keep saying you are because your body, your subconscious does not know how to fail. It doesn't know, it has no concept of failing. So the thing that we find and when we're coaching people and we coach it's two on one. I kind of laugh one on one. It's it's <laughs> private coaching. We do a lot of private coaching. We coach couples, particularly we love working with couples that work together because we do with companies. We coach partnerships, all of those kind of things. But one of the first things we go through is how are you talking about what you want? Are you actually being specific? Because what we do and we're trained to do this from the time that we're little, because when you think about how you train your child, it's don't do that. Don't touch this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to do all the things you just told them that you didn't want them to do. Instead of saying, I want you to stay over here. I want you to do this. I want you to do that instead of no, don't do that. Don't stop that. Whatever. We focus on what we don't want. So we get what we don't want. And then we're shocked by that. And it's because we were, we are made to be manifestors. We're creators and we create with our words. One of our trainers that have trained us is the little, little thing that, that they say is that your conscious mind is your goal setter and your subconscious mind is your goal getter. Your subconscious mind doesn't know how to fail. So it's going to always deliver, but it's going to deliver what you said. And that's probably highly likely not what you want. And that's what we have to get control of is our how we speak, what we say we want, and focusing on what we want instead of what we don't want. And Tim, to your point, when we work with people, one of the first things, that we, and it doesn't matter what the issue is with the, the person coming in, it, it could be any issue. It could be relational, it could be financial, it could be health-wise, it could be whatever. But when you finally get that person to take 100% responsibility of everything that's happened in their lives, the good, the bad, the indifferent, the everything, there's an automatic switch in that person. They become 100% empowered. Mm-hmm. And believe me, that is not easy when you're working with people who have gone through some horrendous things in their lives. And it's not something you can just drop on the lap and say, hey, you were responsible for all that. It's a process. It's a process. It's a build that process, build that process. But when they finally take 100% responsibility for the good, the bad, and the indifferent, they are then 100% empowered to do anything, to manifest anything. And they can make a 180 degree turn in whatever area of their life. And I can say this from personal experience, I suffered financially my entire life. And when this was first presented to me, that it was my issue, that I was creating the hardship, I I did not accept, I mean, I would not accept that at all. I mean, I was like, you are crazy. You think I set up these hurdles for my, the second I did take responsibility for it and then went back into my subconscious and found those stories that were on autopilot. They kept me in that situation and took those stories out by the root, rewrote them, dropped in my own stories. My financial life did a 180. But I went through the same thing too. I was like, you are completely high. And I'm the psychedelic guy and you are completely high. There is no way I am creating these issues for myself. 
And the second I took 100% responsibility for those financial hardships, it changed on the dime. I remember the same thing when somebody first told me, you create your own reality. I was really pissed. Like, I was like, how dare you? I, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this for myself. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a common, you know, response because most of us have experienced some difficult things in our life and it feels like blame when it's really empowerment. It's really empowerment. I think what it is, it's like the bird getting kicked out of the nest and that bird in that instant is a pissed be scared to death but once it starts flapping its wings and takes off it's alive and it's flying but something or someone had to boot it out of the nest to get there it wasn't going to go on its own right that nest is snug everything was perfect it got fed but then when it got booted out yes pissed and scared and then it took flight and then it was completely free. And that's kind of the metaphor that this is. Once you take 100% responsibility, you're likely going to be pissed. You're likely going to be scared. And then you are emancipated. It sounds like and 2020 is the, the, the thing that kicked a lot of birds out of their nests, right? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's funny because um, there were a lot of things about 2020 that were really awful. And there were a lot of t- things about 2020 that were really amazing one thing it caused so many people to slow down and really take stock of their life and to really start questioning what is it that i'm doing here and why am i like what are the things that are really important to me i think it really gave us all that moment of pause and i we were i was laughing because one of my friends posted on facebook does anybody else feel like mother nature has just told us all to go to our rooms and think about what we've done and told us to <laughs> Time out. I, you know, really, honestly, I think that we gave the earth a break because we stopped commuting. We stopped doing all of the stuff that we were, all the running and the hustling and the, you know, the bustle that we do as humans, all of that slowed down and stopped for a while. And we really gave the planet a break and we gave ourselves a break. And it was an opportune time for a lot of people, which is why the book is such an important, the timing of this book is so spot on. It's like just, it's divine alignment Mm -hmm. on this book is because people now started realizing how important their health is that we take better care of our cars than we do our, this vehicle. We take way better care of our cars. We go get our oil changes. We do all of the things we put the right fuel in our car, we would never think of putting, you know, diesel fuel into an unleaded gas tank. Never. But we do that to this vehicle all the time. We put we put garbage fuel into this tank every single, you know, a lot of us every single day. And until you realize that you're getting whatever garbage is going in, you're getting that back out. That's what's happening. And so I think a lot of people really had an opportunity to take a deep breath and go, ooh, I think that I need to get my health in order. And the thing is, is that, you know, whatever, you know, the whole COVID thing and everything, it's still, I still see it as an incredible opportunity for people to really have made some massive changes in their lives. And lots of people took it as an opportunity to slow down. And I know that was for us. We, the year before we were home 12 days after paleo effects happened, we were home 12 days for the rest of the year this year was going to be no different. In fact, I think we we're going to be home less days. We ended up, everything got canceled 
everything. I, I think we had one trip that that did not get canceled, and that was it. And the rest of it was was all canceled. So it's which really pushed every button I had. A, a totally different podcast, but yeah, it pushed every coping mechanism I had to the limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally different subject, but yeah, a lot of people were pushed to the breaking point mm-hmm. last year and then continuing on into this year. That brings up a topic that I appreciated that you covered in your book, which was that each of those seven pillars, or I think each of them had about resilience. And I I love, I think resilience Mm -hmm. isn't talked about enough, you know, because we're always thinking about like mastery and like, oh, how can I control everything to get it perfectly the way I want? But really resilience is the thing that would empower us because we're never going to control everything out here which is a good thing because the universe has wonderful surprises for us, things that we wouldn't even imagine. And so things are thrown to us that look like they're something negative, but they're these opportunities for us to grow. And so, you know, resilience is like, okay, whatever the universe, whatever life hands me, if I have the power to adapt and pick myself back up, to me, that's true freedom is I'm no longer having to put all my energy trying to control everything out here so that I feel comfortable. I now know that no matter where I land or what comes into my sphere, I'm going to be okay because I have resilience. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because when the COVID thing hit, our we had a series that we did of Facebook Lives and lots of different experts that came on. And our um, series was called Resilience Becoming Hard to Kill. And um, the thing is, is that, well, and and really, honestly, when you think about, it's an interesting dilemma that we have with a virus that is, we've, we've evolved from and evolved with, and we've evolved because of viruses for millions of years. And so for us to be, you know, the whole world to stop for this virus has been really an interesting, it's been a separation of you believe this and you believe that and you believe this and you believe that. And so it's been interesting to watch the, those dynamics all happen. But at the end of the day, from the moment that you are born, you have trying to kill you from the moment you're born. And the whole, one of the, I think the, the levers of the game for us is becoming hard to kill become so hard to kill that you can't be killed by a virus become so hard to kill that you can't be killed by you know whatever other thing there is out there but from the moment we are born we are there's attempted murder on us all the time it's like an an attempt to kill us ongoing and at any given time this is one thing that was really interesting to me i was watching you know all of the different debates over you know the testing and that whatever with covid and at the end of the day there was a doctor that said listen if everybody got tested right now if you just tested everybody right now for cancer almost everybody would have cancer in their body so are we just gonna have everybody go out and have you know chemo and radiation and all of that stuff it's that's that's not how healing process works the healing process is when it shows up in your body you're already in healing by the time that it can be tested, you're already in the healing process. And so it's really an interesting thing that people don't even understand that concept that we constantly have cancer in our body. And our body is created and is meant to heal all of it. 
if we are feeding ourselves the right thoughts and the right words and all of those things, and we are taking care of ourselves physically, like doing the things that, that help our bodies to become strong. And, you know, all of the seven pillars, I mean, because we believe that the whole seven pillars is what you need for you to be a fully optimized and empowered human is to have physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, spiritual health, financial health, and tribal health. All of those are really required for there to be an optimized human. And so when you talk about resilience, all of these things all culminate to make that person resilient and hard to kill. And then I wanted to kind of go back to one thing too. One of the, we were, when we were talking about the bad things that happened to us and everything, and we, we judge everything that comes into our sphere. It's good. It's bad. Okay. That's neutral, whatever. But we have this judgment that just happens naturally in our systems. And obviously no one would think, oh, our daughter passing away 12 years ago, that anyone would ever think that's a good thing. What's really that I've been able to get to a point of is the reconciliation around that, first of all, my daughter manifested her own death. And I feel very certain about that. I also believe that it was her time to go now. At the time, I did not believe this when it when it happened. Obviously, I was in shock. I was angry. I was I cussed God out for for quite a while. And I was I was really, really upset around the fact that she was just getting ready to start doing this mission work. She had just come back from a mission trip and she was this was the work that she was coming to do. And I was just so in denial about it. But one of the things that I realized is that I would never in a million years choose for her to die, but I also cannot deny the beauty that's come from her ashes. I can't deny that. And the thing is, is that what it, that lesson and what's interesting, she and I would talk about beauty in the ashes all the time before she passed, about finding the things that were positive in a situation. And it never really occurred to me and it never really hit me that I still have gratitude and I still have love and compassion and everything in the moment of her death because all the beauty that's come from those ashes cannot be denied. And so when you realize that every single thing, because in the Bible, there's a verse that everything is done for your good, everything. So anybody would go, oh, no, there's no way there's any good coming from your child dying. And I would still say that's not true. And that's still not something I would choose. But it's how do you how do you actually look at it? How do you actually? I just no longer judge her death. Her death was it happened. Her soul is in another dimension and, and is in lots of beauty and, and everything. And I am happy for her soul to be where it is. I miss her every single day. I think about her every single day. There are aspects of her voice and her laugh and her smile and the way she would say my name. Well, she didn't say my name. She called me mommy. But... The way she would say that, I just miss those things. And I still hold immense gratitude for the fact that I got 22, almost 23 years with that, that kid and that she was my kid. And 
it's those are the things that end up ultimately making us resilient is the fact that we can go into a situation that is so awful or what we believe is awful or something that's really been horrific that's happened to us that's the other thing we judge we believe things have happened to us instead of happened in our life just happened they just happened it just happens to be part of our life and the thing is is that when i can go back and look at all of that and say i hold immense love and gratitude and compassion for this self choosing to be in this life and choosing to endure that hell we're here to to experience all aspects of everything and one of one of the things that Brittany and i talked about all the time is everybody thinks that heaven is somewhere else there's this golden streets and mansions somewhere else and we talked about that and she was like that's not what heaven is heaven is when we bring heaven to earth she was because what we one of the things that we talked about was how much hell we bring here how much hell we just bring to another human being just because we're angry and and what have you is we bring hell here because we have not chosen to bring heaven here. And you know, as, as beautiful a concept as resilience is, it still has a shortcoming because resilience implies that a system has taken an assault and has bounced back to its original state. A much better term is anti-fragility, mm -hmm. right? This is what the immune system does. So the immune system undergoes an attack and it bounces back even stronger than it was before the attack. This is what a body in training does. Mm. A body in training is beat down and then it overcompensates on the way back up. And had Nassam Tlaib not coined that term, we would have used it in our book because it's a beautiful concept and it more accurately displays what Michelle is talking about after going through a hardship she didn't we didn't bounce back to our original state we bounced back stronger than before mm -hmm. that is our hope for everybody out there and that is our hope for people who read the book that they in fact engage with an assault and bounce back stronger from whatever that assault is and whatever the system is whatever one of those seven pillars is whether it's the mental physical emotional spiritual and all of the rest go through a hard time, bounce back stronger than before. That's anti-fragility. Is it resilience? Yes. Yes, resilience is the first step, but the next step above that is anti-fragility to get better from the assault. It makes me think of that, um, that I should know, I feel bad because I'm half Japanese, I should know this, but that, that art, the Japanese art where they take the broken um, pottery and then they put the gold in between and then they make this oh, yeah. new, more yeah. beautiful exactly. thing. Yes. That's exactly the concept. Yeah. Right. I can't think of the name of it. It starts with a K, but that's all I can remember. <laughs> that is exactly it. Mm. And and then that vase or the pot is stronger than the than it was before it was broken. That's exactly the concept. Mm. And, and more beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> stronger and more beautiful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, that's how we are. We end up becoming more when we right when we can go through that and, and realize that we're stronger and better for this situation. Because at the end of the day, all of the things that happen in our life are for our good. It's how do right. we, how do we come through it? And how do we actually, it's one of those things are, there was a, 
a time back where I would, one of my very first experiences um, within ayahuasca, the very first lesson right out of the gate was this, I was like afraid of losing control. And what was hysterical was that's an illusion. You have this illusion of control. You don't control anything. And when I came to this realization, oh, the only thing that I can control is how I respond or how I react to things. And response is mindful. It's um, intentional. All of that reaction is knee-jerk, usually comes out sideways. And uh, what I recognized was then there was this point after a time period of, of going through plant medicine and different retreats and, and doing medicine for quite some time was, oh, I don't want control. I want influence. You cannot influence if you don't have respect. That's the whole thing is when you're trying to control something, you have a real true lack of respect for yourself and others. And the whole thing is, is that when you relinquish control and realize you don't have it anyway, it's totally an illusion. When you relinquish that and instead what you want is to influence people in a positive way and influence their lives into a positive mind, you know, into this more positive stance, when you get there, you will, you'll have respect, you'll have, you'll have influence, and it will actually ultimately make things go in the directions that you want, because you're manifesting and you're, you're putting things in focus of the what you want and how you want it and exactly what you want. <laughs> it's funny because when I first went into ayahuasca, I was at the point where I was like, yeah, I don't, uh, I've relinquished control of all of this stuff. You know, I had talked myself into that I had totally relinquished control, except for the things that really mattered. Like, except, you know, the, the really deep philosophical things, that's what I have control of. And I went into ayahuasca and it, the first retreat, she was like, nope, you don't control that either. And that <laughs> just totally ripped that Band-Aid off too. So, I mean, we, and the only reason I say that is because we logic ourselves into these different stories that may or may not be true. That particular story was totally hogwash, but I bought it hook, line, and sinker. That I didn't, you know, I, I'd given up control of all the things that didn't matter in my life, but the things that I thought were super, super important, I thought I had influence over, or I could control the outside workings of that. Nope, not that either. And that was a very painful process to go through that. And it was empowering and enlightening. I still struggle with it. I still, you know, have quote unquote control issues. And I try to stop it in its tracks when I realize it. Because I still try to control outward circumstances that it's ridiculous. I can't control that. All I can control is my reaction to that. Yep. So true. Well, really beautiful conversation. You know, it's awesome to talk to a couple. You guys play off each other so well. It's almost like you have a psychic connection. Cause, <laughs> almost. Cause, <laughs> we've, uh, we've been here a time or two together. Yeah, I think so. I think we've done this dance a few times. <laughs> even even when I read the book, er, you know, I haven't read the entire book, but you know what I've read of it, and hearing you talk, you know, it's like a really good example of both of you coming together for that book. You know, I really like that. 
Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny is our, um, we had a co-writer and which was something that, you know, obviously Keith is a writer and Keith is actually a very accomplished writer and has won awards for his writing and everything. And so when we were, we were planning on writing the book completely by ourselves. And so our agent said, we have a co-writer that we think you might really love. And she's got lots of experience in this space and she's a really, really accomplished writer in the health and wellness space. And, and we were like, well, we're not sure. She was like, listen, let's have her help you pull off the proposal. And then if you if you don't like it, you don't have to do it, you don't whatever. And she was amazing. And what's so funny that you say that our voices come across is that when he and I were writing together, when we would go back and edit each other, we would edit in our own voice. And so we couldn't mesh our voices yeah, together. Was, and she did it beautifully. She did it perfectly at where <clears throat> she really got our voices in there together where, and that was really Eve. Her, her name is Eve Minkler and she is a really, really incredible writer. And she has co-written 11 New York times bestsellers, hopefully 12. Well, no, I'm not going to say 12 we will be number her number 12 um new york times bestseller gonna manifest that right here she's just amazing and so i appreciate that you acknowledge that because we could not do what she did with our voices and she was able to pull things out of us too in the writing of the book and everything we ended up with it's funny because we were supposed to have a seventy-five thousand word book and we by the time we were done writing with her we had 260,000 words. Then we turned in 105 and they told us that we had to get it down to 90. So we did. She was brave enough to go to New Mexico with us because we knew we had to get out of our our normal routine. Mm-hmm. She was brave enough to go to New Mexico with us and lock herself in a house with us for, what was it, eight days of yeah. just pure 12 hours a day, just knocking it out. Yeah. It was it was a lot and kudos to her for agreeing to do that. And yeah. she, she, and it was funny because we would write stuff and then she would, she'd go, okay, I'll, I got that, you know, whatever. And he would write stuff and I would write stuff. And then she'd just like, she just, she married it really well. It was perfect. And I was like, wow, she got our voices down better than we could. And we've, you know, we've had our brand for <laughs> 10 years yeah, and we, it she just nailed it and it was really, really good. So thank you for acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's, she's awesome. Yeah, no problem. Well, I just wanted to thank you guys for taking time out of your day to come and talk with us. Can you tell everybody like where they can find you, how they can contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So our main website is com, which is P A L E O F as in Frank X as an X rate.com. And if you go to paleofx.com forward slash primal uprising, you can find the book. It's on pre-sale right now. For those that buy the book in pre-sale, you've got some goodies that are going to come to you mm-hmm. too. There's that. And then I'm on all social media as Dana Michelle Norris, um, except Twitter doesn't like my full first name. So it's <laughs> D Michelle Norris on Twitter and Keith. Um, and then everything we have all of the social for paleo fx and then keith i'm often on twitter because i keep getting booted off but um <laughs> probably, the, probably the easiest place to find me so i just started a Substack. i don't know if you guys are familiar with Substack. it's a it's a blogging platform 
And I am starting to blog there in support of Primal Uprising. So there would be a Primal Uprising themes that I write about. And that is keithnorris.substack.com. And I just started that. So I think I'm three posts in. So Mm -hmm. you'll be new to the game. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much again. It was great talking to you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was so fun to talk to you guys. And yeah, you always have really great stories. So I really enjoyed that. Well, I hope your whole move into your new space, I hope it all settles and you have more quiet, reflective time for yourself (laughs) and look forward to seeing you guys soon. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I want to say thank you very much to Keith and Michelle for taking the time to share their gifts and knowledge with us. If you want to learn more about them and their services or the Paleo Effects Conference, there are a couple websites you can visit. PaleoFX.com, that's spelled P-A-L-E-O-F-X.com, and KeithNorris.substack.com. Also, you can find their new book on Amazon. It's called Primal Uprising, The Paleo Effects Guide to Optimizing Your Health, Expanding Your Mind, and Reclaiming Your Freedom. I'd also like to take this time to thank Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast interesting, and Casey Henson for providing the music. If you'd like to learn more about us or find past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating for us. This will help other people find us. Take care.